0: Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. Hallelujah. I'm feeling good today. God was moving in worship, amen? God was moving in worship. I like to be around where God is, amen? It's a good place to be. Hallelujah, hallelujah, i got a lot in my heart. I want to try to communicate it as succinctly and effectively as I can. Uh, We just finished up our last message series, which talked about building a wall around the glory and protecting the glory of God in our lives. And uh, if you didn't hear those message series, they're really central to who we are as a house. You want to watch those, listen to those, I I believe they'll be helpful. Uh, Today we're starting a new message series on wholeness, and we've titled it Wholeness. That's how you'll know what it's about. <clears throat> uh, that's, that's my humor. Some, some people find it funnier than others. Let's pray. Jesus, help these people. Get the jokes, Lord. Help them. Help them. Wipe away the, the blinders in front of their eyes and the hardness of their heart to not get the jokes that I'm laying down. That they would literally pick up what I'm putting down in the humor in this message, Lord. And uh, but I pray, Jesus, that you would just be in the midst here, that we would connect, and that your Holy Ghost would do something. Anything, literally, anything in this, in this, in this meeting. Lord, we, we don't want to stay the same, but we want to be transformed from glory to glory to glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, <clears throat> Amen, amen. Ha! And amen. Oh, Jesus, I just feel the presence, and I really, really like him. His name is Jesus. Hey, so we're talking about wholeness, and and let me tell you, wholeness, some people believe uh, that uh, wholeness is kind of a a flaky thing. Wholeness is kind of like something you add on. Wholeness is central to the gospel message. Let me say it again. Wholeness is central to the gospel message. Message wholeness is not something that is added on later. Like some people believe, like, there's the gospel, and then there's like, you know, then God can do some things in your life, and God can do some things through your life, and you can get the baptism. No, no, no. This is central to the gospel message. It's central. The gospel, of course, is good news. Gospel means good news. And news, since it is news, that means it's something to be announced. You announce news. News is announced. Are you watch, um, these are complicated concepts I'm putting out right now, but I believe you can, you can hang on to this amazing revelation. <clears throat> the gospel is good news, and news is meant to be announced. But we have to ask the question, as a church, if we're going to talk about what are we doing together, what are we doing in South Florida, what are we doing on the earth, why do we even gather, what, what is it we're doing? And, and, and we have to ask the question, it has to be asked, what is the good news if it is good news, the gospel is good news, and we're supposed to announce it, we have to understand what is this good news that we're supposed to be announced. In in, in, in its most raw form, in the, in the purity of the message, the good news is that we have been rescued. We, another way to say it is we have been saved. That is the good news. The good news is that we have a Savior and that he is still rescuing people. This is good news, Amen. It's really good news. If you've not encountered this news yet, today is your day. Jesus brought you here today so you can encounter this good news. Hear me, not just hear it from me, encounter this good news. And it is, this good news is the message of Jesus Christ that we have been rescued. If we don't get this down, then we don't get the whole walking with Jesus thing down. If we don't get the foundation right, the rest won't actually be right. Now, <clears throat> let me explain to you this, this good news in the fact that we've been rescued. <clears throat> because of sin, we are out of fellowship with God. Our relationship with God is broken. This is the effect of sin. Because sin came into the world, man was separated from God. Genesis chapter 3 really lays out how this all happened. It talked about because man decided to sin, a curse was released on the earth. Hear me. The earth was cursed because of sin. It was released upon the land. That is unchanging news. Amen? A curse was released on the earth. And because of this sin our relationship with God is broken. It's important to understand that. In God, there is no sin. In God, there is no darkness. There's no bondage. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no strife. Outside of God, there is sin. There's bondage. There's curse. There is the wrath of God. Where God's grace is not, all that's left is his wrath. And because of sin, his wrath was released upon the earth. That's clear Bible, right? That is at the beginning of the book so that we understand everything coming after that is predicated by that fact. That God's original intention was for man to walk with God, but he sinned and now he's separated. We get this. I know this is basic stuff, but it's, 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 it's really important. <clears throat> and so, because of sin, we were separated and the land is cursed. Timothy Keller says, because we have alienated God, and we're alienated from God, hear me, not only are we separated from God, we're psychologically alienated from our true selves. Because your real self is found in Christ. You're made in his image. Made to carry his spirit, and walk in communion with him. And because you're separated from him, We no longer can be whole this way. We're literally separated psychologically from our true selves. Genesis chapter 3 again talks about because of sin, we experience shame. We experience fear. That didn't happen until sin came in. We weren't fearful before sin. But we get psychologically separated from the truth that we are created to be connected to God. And because we're alienated from God, hear me, we're socially alienated from one another. Sin came, they started wearing clothes to protect themselves from other people. This didn't happen before sin. Before sin, he took a rib out of Adam, created Eve, and they were one still. Sin came, and even that was broken. Socially, disconnected. They started wearing clothes. They, um, uh, they, there was alienation between the genders as part of the curse. Remember, there is. They started blaming one another for their problems. There was blame shifting in their own responsibility for where they were at in their lives. They couldn't even take responsibility for where they got themselves. Oh, it's this woman you brought me. Oh, it's right. This blame shifting, not owning our own behavior. And so because of sin and we're separated from God with this relationship, then all these relationships are broken because all of these relationships were predicated on this relationship being right. And so when this is broken, all of a sudden the curse begins to manifest all over. So not only are we separated from God and we're separated from the genders and we're separated socially, socially, We were physically alienated from the creation. All of a sudden, instead of it just producing what we need, we had to toil to get what we needed. Then there was sorrow came into the world. There's pain. We had to, uh, there's physical degeneration because of sin. As a matter of fact, there's even death because of sin. We were alienated from the creation. Are are, are you getting this? We live in a world with sorrow. We live in a world... With sickness, we live in a world with disease, we live in a world with oppression, with sexism, with racism, with, 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 with mass tragedies and, um, and, and shameful behavior from man to other men. And even the very earth raises up calamities that destroys people. Yeah. This is all because of sin. And if you don't understand that, then you won't understand that we need to be rescued. We need to be, hear me, saved. We need to be saved from sin and its effects in our life. If we don't understand that we need to be rescued, then we don't really have a whole lot of value for the rescuer. We live in an area that doesn't feel like it needs to be rescued from anything. My life is comfortable. What do you mean me get rescued? Because we don't understand that we were designed to walk in fellowship with God And have fellowship with other people. And hear me. Have fellowship with ourselves. Unbroken. Unseparated. This is how we're created. And there's a greater life that God has designed us for. That we don't get. Because of sin. And we need to be saved from this system. This is what we need. We need a rescuer. And we need to be rescued. All human problems. Are symptoms. And our broken relationship with God is the cause. All of our problems are rooted in broken relationship with God. Jesus came so that our relationship with God could be fixed. This is what he came for. He came to die on our behalf as a sacrifice for our sin, but He died so that we can come back into relationship with God, that we can be walking in oneness with him, that we can go from darkness to light, from cursed to blessed. Amen? Once we were not the people of God, but now we are the people of God. Jesus came to bridge this gap between us and God. And if you don't understand that, if you don't understand what the gospel really is, what the, hear me, good news is, then you don't truly value everything that the good news is. You'll live in the curse, not even recognize it's the curse, because you're the best one living in the curse. I'm the most successful curse liver. I must be doing great. Does this make sense? So we compare our lives to other people who are cursed and think we're doing pretty good. When Jesus is like, you want to compare your life to somebody, here's here's the the example right here. Blessed. Amen? Say blessed. Blessed. We want to live blessed. And you only live blessed by being rescued from the curse. Right? Outside of God's blessing is God's wrath. So as New Testament priests, as we've talked about so much in this house about, Being New Testament priests is different than an Old Testament priest. The Old Testament priest told people, you need to go get you an offering and bring it to God. New Testament priests bring the offering to the sinner. This is what we do. This is our role. That's our role. We take the offering to the sinner. But the world doesn't know that they need an offering because they don't understand the gospel. You can't just have a good service and expect your city to get saved. They don't understand that they actually need the gospel. This, if you're visiting today, I'm not telling you that we're better than anybody. We're just lucky enough that we got the message. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? And actually, I wish I got it a lot earlier. Anybody else in here? Wish you got the message a lot earlier? Like, Jesus, what was I doing that was so important that I didn't get this message? What did I think was more important than this message right here, right? So we live in an area that thinks they don't, they don't need to be rescued because they don't understand the potential in God. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, we're not only supposed to manifest his blessing in ourselves and in our community, but really the word says that we're to redeem the earth. And you only do that when you have a redeemed people. You can't overcome a curse that you don't recognize. Right? <clears throat> and so, Jesus, in the scripture, Jesus, um, you remember when he was talking uh, with the, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, we're talking about Matthew, round 22, and they try to, they try to trip him up, right? And they saved him. <clears throat> now, you have to understand, there was a big portion of the Jews of the day that didn't believe in an afterlife. And another big portion did. And so... They would constantly try to pit Jesus to pick one of their sides to settle their fights. And people still do that today. I'm using Jesus to verify my bias. Right, I'm picking two scriptures to verify my ugliness of heart. <clears throat> but, so they, they go to Jesus and they say, hey, okay, hey, say there's a man and a woman. Now, you know, I don't, have anybody noticed Jesus isn't into hypotheticals? He feels under no obligation to answer your hypothetical. None. What if? He's like, what if? <laughs> no, but what if? What if? Okay, there we go. So they go to Jesus and they say, hey, what happens if a man and a woman are married and the man dies and she marries a brother as is the custom and he dies and another brother comes along and he dies and another one comes along and then they get to heaven. Who's, 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 who's going to be the husband when all these men are up there? And Jesus, you know, they're really going to trick Jesus and they're going to trap him in their little clever wordplay, the one who created words, the one who formed brains with a word. They're going to trap him in their words, right? That's pretty funny, right? So Jesus says in Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, 29, he answered and said, you are mistaken, not understanding the scriptures nor the power of God. I would have been like, no, no, I don't, did you understand what I asked them? So we start thinking that Jesus is the one who lacks understanding of our problem. Like he's the one who lacks understanding. And generally, if you think someone lacks understanding, it's you. Especially when you're talking to God. Are you with me? And so they think they're going to trick Jesus in this wordplay. And Jesus said, hmm, oh, yes, I hear your question. Jesus has a way of answering the real problem, not what you think the problem is. It's almost like I'm not wasting my time with this trivial nonsense. Let me just help you out and let you know what the real problem is, whether you want to know it or not. Let's see the scripture again. Verse, 20, uh, verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not understand. He didn't say you don't know the scriptures. He didn't say you don't know the power of God. He didn't say that. He didn't say you don't have the scriptures memorized. He didn't say you haven't read the scriptures. You're not familiar with the scriptures. What did he say? You're mistaken not understanding the scriptures or the power of God. We can literally say the problem here is you don't really know my heart. You know about me. You've read the Bible. You've seen me do stuff in the past. But you don't really know me. And you come to God He's saying to them, you come thinking you know God when you don't really understand God. Why? Because man's relationship with God is broken. Broken. Jesus is saying, I, hey, I, 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 didn't come, I didn't come to give you a more clear set of rules. I didn't come to clarify the rules to let you know what, which rules or how, to, how you can perform and be better. This is not what I've come for. He, he came... Hear me, to get his spirit on the inside of us. So he could work in us to transform us from the inside out. That's the work of Jesus Christ. He didn't come to set up a new rule book. He said, you you, you lack understanding. You can't relate to God or other people because you don't understand them because you can't know them without knowing their creator. When you have fellowship with the one who created people, then the spirit of the creator dwells on the inside of you and it gives you a compassion you cannot have without that. You can go to a psychologist. I'm into therapy. I've been through more therapy than I ever want to be in my life and I'm signing up for more, unfortunately. It was up to me. I wouldn't go to any of it. Hallelujah. But I want, to be, I want to be full in Christ. Amen? Amen? I don't, I don't, honey, I don't want to go to therapy. I don't want to go to, but when the pastors in your life say, you really ought to go away to this intensive thing. They can only tell you that for so many years before you say, hmm, maybe I should just obey authority in my life because I don't feel like I need to. I feel like I'm good to go. I don't either Duke, you I'm good. Corey, you're good, right? I'm good. The three of us should get together, me, Corey, and Duke, and every week just tell each other that we're good. So if anybody gives us a word we don't want to hear about getting in their healing, we can tell them, we can go to you guys, and you'll say, no, 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 you're good. And And so then if you get a word about it from your wife or literally anybody, you can come to me, and I'll say, no, 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 we're good. And Duke, if you feel like your wife says you're doing something, you come to us, we'll say, no, 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 you're good. This is perfect. This is the affirmation circle, right? Don't let anybody in the circle. We never have to deal with anything. This is perfect. This is what most people's accountability looks like. And so Jesus is telling these people, he says, you're working hard, but you're working hard on the wrong stuff. Watch this. We're going to continue in uh, Matthew 23. Jesus says, and again, this is not something you want to hear Jesus say to you. Woe to you. When Jesus feels bad about what's coming on you, he's like, ooh, that looks ugly. And he knows he's going to the cross. He's like, ooh, that's going to be ugly right there. Right? Here's a guy who's willingly going to the cross saying, woe to you. That sounds like a bad day is coming, right? That's a bad day. Listen to this. He says, that's a good word right there. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Again, not the word of affirmation you're looking for from Jesus. Woe to you, you hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they're full of robbery, self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. First, clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and the outside of it may may become clean also. And so here's how I want you to kind of, here's how I want you to see this, all right? Religion says, I get this right here nice nice and clean right here on the outside. All right, watch this. Hey, if you're a visitor today, try not to focus on what's happening in the kids' room, right? Let's not let them throw our service off. But we have kids in there, and we let them be kids. So they're going to be loud, and we're adults with self-control, so they can be loud, and we can still, I mean, we can make this louder, which I'm okay with, Uh, but let's focus on the word, right? We're going to let them be loud, and uh, if you really feel like we need that to be quieter, um, we can buy a building, you spell million with two L's, you can make it out to Revival Life Church building fund, and we'll be more than happy to settle that problem, amen? Amen. So... I like water. Do you like water? I like to have my thirst quenched. And so Jesus is saying, you guys are like like this cup right here. It's got water on the outside, so I'm going to kind of clean it up a little bit here. This beautiful cup right here, and you clean all this off. And you say, look, that's beautiful. It's a beautiful cup. It's all clean. It's good. Look, I'm good. Look at this cup. And so let's say I got this cup earlier today. And, uh, you know, maybe my toilet was backed up for, I don't know, a week or two, right? We kept using it. And I emptied it with this cup. And you say, Pastor, that's fairly disgusting. I'm not sure I want to follow you anymore. This is really nasty. And I say to you, no, but look, it's all clean. See how I've cleaned the outside? I mean, I didn't touch the inside, but look at the outside. So beautiful. Would you like some? Not so much, right? Not so much. So, <clears throat> I mean, this is what religion is. Religion says, I need to be able to judge you, and I can only judge with what I see. So let's go to church, and let's all agree upon the rules. And you perform those rules real well, and if you do that, I'll call you clean, you call me clean. We all agree that these, this is what's important. These rules right here. You go to the wrong assembly, you've got to dress a certain way. You got to use the right words. You got to be at the right meetings. Nothing wrong with, you know, dressing right or being at the right meetings, uh, but we can only judge people based on what we see with our eyes. Now, God is judging what's going on inside the cup, right? And so, let's say I, you know, I say, hey, you know, yeah, Sarah, there was fecal matter in here a little earlier, but I dumped all the fecal matter out as a matter of fact, I flicked it at the ground several times before filling it with water. Would you, like some of the, would you like some of the water? Would you like some of that? I completely flicked it like twice. And I polished the outside. Would you like some? Anybody? No, that's, that's religion. Look, I'm working hard at getting stuff out, but you haven't actually been washed on the inside. You haven't been washed on the inside. Let's look at this again. Verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. Now, if I've not cleaned the fecal matter out of the inside of this cup, I'd advise you to don't drink anything that comes out of it. Amen? Are you with me? So if this is clean, and this, this being clean will never clean this. right? You remember our, our illustration of being filled? If I clean the inside... And I keep filling this cup. Eventually, it's going to clean the outside because it's going to overflow with clean water and clean the outside. This is what Christ is after. Christ is after, let's get clean water on the inside and it will clean the outside, the part that other people can see. Now, clearly, there's a manifestation of cleanness that happens, but it may not. What you consider clean may not be happening yet, but that doesn't mean it's not clean on the inside. Are you hearing me? And so we set up these little systems where we can judge each other because that makes us feel comfortable that we're on the same team. I, don't, I feel uncomfortable if I think this might be going on in your life. It makes me uncomfortable that you're using that word. makes me uncomfortable that you're not dressing the, the Christian uniform. makes me uncomfortable that you're not using the lingo. When we have no idea where they're at in their journey with God and in their conversation with God, we need to know, did this happen yet? And this can't happen unless people understand the gospel. They have to understand they need to be rescued. And then out of that will become a river of living water. Cleaning the outside. Does that make sense? And so we can talk about this inner healing or this wholeness, this thing that happens in our heart. Some people consider it an added thing as if there was something more important than the inside getting clean. You can't dress your way to heaven. You can't confess your way out of sin. You need a rescuer to come and do something on the inside of you that can bubble up to the outside of you. Amen. Amen? Now listen, if you're new to Christ, get somebody older than you in your life and, and they're going to they're, they're gonna tell you a couple things like, hey, stop doing that. That's bad. Right? That's an open door. You're, the, the, the thing is never going to get clean if you're leaving it in the toilet right? Like get it out of the toilet, get your life out of the toilet. So the inside can get clean, right? That's not legalism. That just makes sense. (laughs) That just makes sense, right? You're like, Oh, I'm blessed now. I'm out of the curse. I can rob banks and nothing will happen to me, right? Like that's no, if you sin, bad things happen outside of God's grace is God's wrath. I mean, the Bible tells us that clearly in the New Covenant, in Romans chapter 1, which is after the birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, Paul wrote in in Romans 1 that the wrath of God is being revealed against all unrighteousness. That means when we get outside of his righteousness, we're in unrighteousness, and that's where the wrath lives. I lived in Kodiak, Alaska when I was uh, in the service. And people would ask me, hey, did you ever see a Kodiak brown bear? I said, no, I didn't see no Kodiak brown bear. I didn't go where they live. They didn't come where I live. We were good. (laughs) They got a big stuffed one in the airport. That's as close as I want to come. They're the largest bears on the planet. No, I didn't see none. No, I didn't see none. You know what else I don't see? I don't see strippers. You know why? I don't go where strippers are. I don't have a problem with gambling. You want to know why? I don't go where gambling happens. Not because I'm so awesome that none of these things could ever affect my life. I don't go into their neighborhood and they don't come into mine and we're good to go. This is wisdom. This isn't legalism. This just kind of makes sense, right? God, keep doing these things. You're hanging out with people who do those things. Now, if you're not saved, well, you know, you're under wrath anyways, you know. Get saved, and then you'll be able to stop doing those things. Right? I still want to do it. Okay, but don't do it. But I keep thinking about it. All right, don't do it. But it's on my mind, and it's, a, hmm don't do it. How do you just do it? How do you not do it? By not doing it. But that's hard. Yeah, I know. Not as hard as going to the cross and being a sacrifice for sins. Not as hard as being murdered in in the middle of the town square for righteousness. Probably isn't that hard. Given the choice, I'd choose not sinning over being murdered, right? Hallelujah. And so we can look at wholeness. Oh, good. We're doing good. We can look at wholeness um, as some added thing that comes later. Like, I'm a Christian. We can look at it like Christian therapy. People look at it like Christian therapy. Like, I got saved, but I still got problems. Like, did you think you wouldn't? Like, okay, you lived your entire life under the curse. You learned how to think under the curse. You learned how to interact with people under the curse. You live in a society under the curse. You live interacting in a world that even sends storms at us because of the curse. And you didn't think that would get in you at all. You didn't think you'd have some learned behaviors and thought patterns after an entire life Time of living under the curse, raised by people who are under the curse, raised by people under the curse, raised by people under the curse, all the way back to Adam. You don't think that would cause something on the inside that you may actually have to work out a little bit later. Let me ask you this. Is anybody here ever just tried to, you know, eat healthier and lose some weight? I made a... uh, Made a bit of a resolution at the beginning of this year, that I was going to lose another ten pounds. I've been losing weight, and uh, I'm about fifteen pounds away from that goal now. So, <laughs> 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 working that out right now. So I'm just moving along here. The scale is moving. moving. It scale is moving. Is, yeah. move. Any movement's good movement, right? you just start eating a little better is hard, right? Is it hard? Like, how does a Snickers have so much power over a spirit-filled believer? I don't understand. I don't get it, Kellyanne. I just don't get it. What kind of demonic power is resting on these people? It's like a principality over chocolate or something. I don't know what it is. I tell you what, potatoes, man. Potatoes potatoes like it's like the superfood right they can be french fries they can listen they make potatoes in the hash browns and potato. they even make potatoes into vodka like all the other vegetables like what are you doing what's going on with you <laughs> potatoes just out there taking over the world like i'm taking over all the vegetable gain putting pounds all over me right we need to break the curse all right not sure where I'm going with that. However, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, you, just, you just eat, you know, and it takes you like all of your willpower just not to get a second serving or some of you third or fourth serving. Just as like it takes everything that's in you yes. to skip one meal. Yes. And they're like, oh, I'm saved. I'm good now on the inside. So your relationship with God has been severed your whole life. Your relationship with Yourself has been severed your whole life. Your relationship with the opposite sex has been wholly severed your whole life. Your relationship with other people has been ho- severed your whole life. And in one moment you receive Jesus and all that's good. And you know, it's neat in theory until you interact with anybody else. Yeah. And then we find out perhaps, perhaps there might be something else I need. And it's not that salvation didn't work. It's that this rescuing is instant and ongoing. It's instant and ongoing, right? Now, if you just want a stamp that, you know, you get into heaven, you got, you know, you got your heavenly passport stamp, you're good, but I believe we're called to a little more than that. Amen? Amen. We're just called to more than that. And so God wants to do something inside of you. He wants to do something. He wants to, he wants, he wants to do something in you that repairs all of this because he wants to transform the world. And I, I just got, as we're talking about wholeness, going after wholeness, being fully alive in Christ. Uh, three real quick things I want you to write down on why we're going to be talking about wholeness for the next couple weeks. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Number one. Here's the number one reason. Quickly, I'm almost done. Number one reason. Put it up if you would, please. We need it. We need wholeness. We need it desperately. Why? Because we got issues. Becoming a real follower of Jesus is a heart issue. And our heart issues start getting healed when we repair our broken fellowship with God. That's the beginning of the healing. Matthew fifteen nineteen. He says, "Watch this. Let's read it together." For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and slanders. It all comes out of the heart. It all comes out of the heart. If you don't get this thing clean. Everything that comes out of it is nasty. No matter how many times you, you fill this thing, it's got fecal matter in it. It's just floating fecal matter. And so there's a lot of people with a lot of giftings that the only thing flowing out of them is nastiness. This is what he's talking about. I don't have time to go there today, but this is what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 13 about love. Oh, you have all these gifts, but it's not love. Everybody's hearing it like a clanging cymbal. You think, oh, this is a word that's going to change the world. People aren't even hearing you because they're hearing what's going on in your heart. Sin, sin issues are heart issues. Attitude issues are heart issues. Frustration issues are heart issues. All these issues come about because of the fall and the pain they cause. And we have no way to deal with this pain without Christ. Without Holy Spirit, we have no way to deal with the pain that comes from sin. Sin. And so what we do is we, we, we develop systems to protect pain. We develop systems to protect the pain in our heart. And we don't recognize that God, he's using all of these issues as object lessons in the healing of your heart. All these issues, the, the frustration, the, the, the anger, the bitterness, the, the addiction, the unbreakable cycles... They're all red flags saying, I need healing in my heart. There's a heart issue at work here. The, the, the core of all these problems is our broken fellowship with Jesus. And so we have to ask ourselves, <clears throat> how much of our life are we dedicating to avoiding dealing with pain? How much of our life are we living with pain avoidance? We can just find people, like I said, meet Corey, Duke, get together and say we're fine. Or we can actually say, I was created for more than this and start dealing with the issues of our heart that are producing a lifestyle that doesn't glorify God. Th- does this make sense? I have found in my life that avoiding problems makes bigger problems. For those of you called the ministry, um, you'll find out in your ministry People will show up telling you how amazing you are because you're nothing like the people they just came from and these people did them so dirty. And the, 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 the people doing them dirty, I like to ask people when they tell me that, well, what was your part in that? Hmm, that? That collapsed, huh? And they all said that about you? What if that accusation was true? Because I have found when those people come in and do that and they can't recognize their part, you'll be the next story. I just want to know right away. I just want to know right away if you're going to ghost me at some point. Right? I just want to know right away. Just let me know right now. One day, you're going to tell me that I'm your spiritual father, and the next day, you're just going to disappear and unfriend me on Facebook. Like, that's... I just want to know now. Because the question is, have you dealt with the issues of your heart? Right? We can walk in fellowship and disagree if we've dealt with the issues of our heart. Right? You can look through a very different gospel lens than I do, but if our heart issues are dealt with, we can walk in fellowship, honoring one another's call. I was telling uh, before I uh, was, began running um, last year, woefully, I don't, I don't even know why anybody would do that. First of all, like, nobody's chasing me. Why am I running? Right? Like, <laughs> You feel under condemnation. I should be running. Who's chasing you? Be at rest. Amen. Yeah. There's no wild animals out here. I'm trying to escape. Like, I'm good. And so the iguanas. I kick an iguana. <clears throat> I wish an iguana would. Um, oh, I hate an iguana. Um, but I had a problem. I had signed up for a race, and the time was approaching, and I was having some problems, physical problems, trying to run, because we're not made to run. I don't know if you know this or not. That's why we got got have special shoes. If you have to have special shoes, then you're probably not made to do it, right? You're just not made to do these things, right? We're just not made to do these things. And so, so I was having these problems, and, uh, and I didn't have time to deal with the problems, so I kind of changed my running stance, like... Swinging my legs around, just trying to... And and I didn't deal with this little hip problem, which caused knee problems. So instead of just dealing with my hip problem, I created more problems. And I got tendinitis. I couldn't walk fast for like six, eight months. And and my daughter is saying, that's why I don't run. I don't want tendinitis. Oh, you have tendinitis? Come on, there you go, because we don't run enough. (laughs) So instead of uh, learning how to do it correctly and avoiding the pain and, and, and learning how to prevent the pain and getting this worked out, I continued to try to run through the pain causing more problems. If we avoid problems, we create bigger problems. We have to deal with stuff. We need healing in the inner man. Are you with me? Second thing, and I'm almost done here. Second thing, and this is a really big reason. Jesus actually paid for it. And if Jesus paid for it, we should probably receive it. you imagine Jesus? Hey, I bought this for you with my life. Here you go. No, no, I'm good. No, Jesus, I didn't actually need that. Thanks. No, no, I'm good, actually. I, I don't need that. That's for weak people. That's for people who aren't... Ma- See, I'm a man. And what we do is we just, we just... It's just the gospel. Just the gospel. And people have a problem don't love God. People have a problem with me and how I preach the gospel... It's because they really have a problem with God. Because I'm just preaching the truth. Bible truth. I'm preaching Bible truth. And if you don't feel the love, it's because you don't love God. No. No. Actually, we, you know Jesus paid for our inner healing because we actually need it. And um, um, I believe God is raising up a generation of, of, of revivalists who can walk in love. I really believe that. Amen. I believe he's, he's creating people who love um, family, love community, and love breakthrough. They don't give up one for the other. Yeah, yeah. To my shame, early in my walk, I just wanted fire, breakthrough. If you got a problem, I'll pray till you fall. And when you get up, you should be healed. And if not, I'll pray for you again until you fall, right? Like, we'll just call down fire until the problem is gone. And I found that's not a real good inner healing thing. What would happen is people <laughs> felt under more condemnation because they weren't falling. was not helping. And so I had to go learn the ways of love. And as God began to work love in my heart, I started seeing how God moves through love just as much as he moves through fire. And actually, they're both needed. And uh, it took me a long time to figure that out. Uh, But for me, this has become more rich because I have a community of people who love both. See, the challenge is we don't, we don't, we don't have access to everything God has for us because we don't follow his precepts. Now, a precept, of course, is a, it's a rule that's supposed to regulate behavior or thought. And we don't, we don't follow his, his ways so we don't get what he has. We don't follow his precepts so we don't get his promises. And so we, we hear things that sound good, but they're not actually biblical. And we wonder why we don't get God's best. And I'm going to rush this part, and uh, I don't have a lot of time to finish this, but... There's this um, guy named Thomas Oden. Anybody heard of Thomas Oden? No? Okay. Thomas Oden is a theologian, right? And Thomas Oden came up with this little phrase called God's unconditional love. Have you heard of that? Thomas Oden came up with unconditional love, this phrase. And he um, was researching uh, how one can use psychology to communicate theology how to actually minister to the person through psychology, God's love. And there was a, a phrase by Carl Rogers uh, who would say God's unconditional acceptance. And as, uh, uh, as as Odin saw that, he took it one step further and called it God's unconditional love. And he began using that uh, about the 60s, 70s, right? So this is a new phrase in Christianity. He started using that and the phrase really caught on. People were using it everywhere in all, all walks of life, all theology, streams, and uh, it, all, all over they were using it. And, and he started um, seeing that people who talked about God's unconditional love stopped talking about the wrath of God. It's almost as if since we've discovered his love, the aspects that we're not as excited about no longer are active. Again, it's the Corey Carl Duke circle. This is what we'll focus on and we'll just be great. The problem is people don't need to be rescued from something if they don't know they need a rescuer. Here's what he wrote. He said, I had drifted. I had drifted toward a conversion without repentance. So literally, if we're going to come into God's wholeness, we have to make a conscious choice to not walk in darkness. Emotionally, mentally, psychologically, physically. We have to learn how to walk away from sin and toward God, even in our inner man. Is, does this make sense? Yeah. We know John three sixteen. Everybody knows the scripture. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. We love that scripture, right? But also in the New Testament is Romans 1, 18, For the wrath of God... Is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, watch this phrase right here, suppress the truth. So, how do you get into the land of wrath and the, the land of curse, the land of not under God's blessing? Deny the truth. It's all it takes. All it takes us is suppress the truth for the lie to come up. Truth is like, you know, you, you can't, you, 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 you. trying to reel this in so I don't. You can't be unrighteous and say I'm a Christ follower. There should, they say we're we're saved by grace alone, by faith alone, but our faith should not stay alone. Our faith should be progressing, in community, in people, in fellowship with God, in walking with other believers. It's we don't just it's me and God. I'm under his unconditional love, and so no man could judge. When I hear no man could judge me, i would want to vomit nine ways. My daughter and I, like, we see it. We see it. The only people who quote that, you know who quotes that? People who are under judgment for their sin. Those are the only people who use that scripture. That's not what he was talking about. No man could judge me. What, what are you talking about, no man could judge you? Bible tells me judge all things, not all people, but that's nasty what you're doing right now. That's nasty. And that's not judgment. That's real. That's nasty. And you can tell people, that's nasty. God has better for you than this nastiness. Amen. No man can judge me. I can't condemn you to hell, no, but I can tell you that's nasty. Amen. Stop it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Put all that away, please. Yeah. Ain't nobody want to see that. Save it for your husband, right? Like, we don't want to see <laughs> that one created for me. Hmm. Bring it back. Put it away, right? Are you with me? Okay, I don't know where I'm going with that one, but come with me. We're on a, we're on a journey together, amen? We're on a journey together. So let me, let me. Jesus paid for our, our inner healing and we need to value that and we need to let it happen, right? And the third thing, whoever's playing, come on up. And the third thing, the third reason, the world needs to know. The world needs to, come here me, the world needs to know that there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain there is a curse to walk away from and a blessing to walk toward are are you hearing me the world needs to know this and the world needs to know that there actually are answers to the cares of this world to the troubles of this world there actually is a process where I don't have to learn to just manage my pain I can actually get healed of it the Lord showed me this like a. uh, he gave me an analogy recently and uh, you ever put on a zipper, like a, a jacket, and you zip it all the way up? And I have a jacket that I love that the bottom will come undone. Isn't that, isn't that annoying? Like the bottom's there? Because you know what's going to happen. Eventually, the whole thing's going to come unzip, right? You know that's, that's, that's what's coming, right? You're like, try to hide it for a little bit because I don't want to do this thing, you know, to try to get it undone, go backwards, right? And so you think of your, your life. Your life is like one side of the zipper. And the life of Christ is the other. And right somewhere in the middle, it starts coming together. And we're like, no, 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 it's all good now because I'm saved. But you got this whole backstory that is not dealt with. And if you don't deal with it, eventually the whole thing's gonna come undone. Jesus is amazing because his zipper goes both ways. He'll begin, to, he'll begin to heal your past. If you begin to deal with it, though. You have to be brave enough to let him come in and begin to heal. And let me tell you why this is important. Not just because you need to know this, and not just because Jesus paid for it. But the world needs to know there is a rescuer from the cares of this world. We owe it to the world to let them know, hey, we have found the answer. And it's not, hey, you're so, you're so messed up, I know where you can get fixed. That, that's, that's, not what, that's not what he says. In Isaiah 61, when they talk about the, the, the promise on the Messiah, he starts talking about that he's going to bring the oil of, of, of joy for, for sadness and all these things that he's going to do internally if we begin walking with God. He talks about rebuilding the ruined cities. He talks about all these things he's going to do in our hearts. That's part of Jesus' call. But here's what it takes. It takes you and I actually walking with Jesus in this healing journey. It's not a us. We got it right, and you need to get what we got. It's Isaac, do me a favor. Stand right over there. Just stand right over there. A little bit farther. Right there. Right? And so here's how I want you to see this. You're just on your journey. You're just walking with Jesus, right? This is your life. Just walking with Jesus. Anybody here walking with Jesus? Walking with Jesus. And we're telling people about our walk with Jesus. Not judging them, but we're on this healing journey. And we're sharing our journey with the people around us. You know, this happened and, you know, God, it's hard. You know, life life is hard, amen? Just because you're a believer don't mean life won't be hard. doesn't mean the problems won't come. doesn't mean the sickness won't come. What it does mean is you're not alone in it. not alone in it and we need to let the world know it's not that we're great because we're Christians and you're not because you're not it's man I got problems but I'm not alone in them God is walking with me in these things and so I got my friend over here Isaac and I'm telling him man I'm on a journey I'm on a journey with Jesus and he's healing my inner man he's healing my inner man and as I'm inviting him into my journey I'm sharing my story with him that I grew up this way but God is doing something in my heart and I think this about marriage And but God has been challenging me on this and God is healing things that I didn't know that he would heal now all of a sudden he's on the journey with me now this is getting on his life I didn't say you got to do this or that. I started saying hey I'm bringing you on my journey of faith and all of a sudden he can't help but react and get on his own journey of faith. As he's like, wait a minute, Holy Spirit had me go through something so I could tell him about it. So now he's actually thinking, because he was about to go through the same thing, because God knows, right? And and he's 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 and he is now on the journey with me. Now all of a sudden, he's doing his own faith journey. Now I'm just continuing my journey and he's continuing his faith journey with Jesus. Does this make sense? doesn't care if you look amazing to the world. He wants you to be real. He wants you to have a real relationship with a real God and have a real relationship with the people around you. Stand with me if you would. Let me pray. Hallelujah. Can you turn down that music a little bit, please? Hallelujah. 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 Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you, Father, for rescuing us with a real Savior. We thank you, Jesus, for rescuing us. We're outside of the wrath and inside your blessing, Father. We want our whole selves to be in your blessing. We want to be sanctified completely, as you wrote to the church at Thessalonica. We want to be fully sanctified to you, Father whole being separated unto you. And so I pray for the people underneath the sound of my voice right now, every man, woman, and child right now, Father, that they would begin to welcome you in. They would welcome you into their heart. They would uh, sign up for that journey and allow you to begin not only their future, but begin to heal the things that have happened in the past that are living like scar tissue at the foundation of their belief system, living like scar tissue at the foundation of their relationships with other people. And I pray by your Holy Spirit right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you would begin to do surgery on hearts. Right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you would break off the trauma. That you would flood with your love, Father. Ah, that you would love like only you can, Father. Shekabah. her team, come forward. Sheikaba la la In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command. I command wicked doors to be closed. That the enemy can no longer come to and fro in your life any longer. We rebuke the access of the enemy. We close windows and close doors. In the name of Jesus, we declare freedom over the captive. Freedom over the captive. I just feel like there's some people in this room right now, it's time to walk with Jesus, give your life to Christ. And So I'm just going to lead you in a prayer right now. And basically what happens is you have to recognize, I need to be saved, I need to be rescued and I'm signing up to be rescued right now. I'm not going to call anybody forward. We're all going to pray this together. But if everybody, I just feel led to do this. uh, If you would close your eyes and bow your head. Everybody in the room, sound man, music guy, prayer team, everybody in here, this is just between me and you. It's between me and you. Video's not going to capture it. It's between me and you. Close your eyes and bow your head. And I don't have a lot of time to do this, so if you're like, yep, I need to be rescued, just put your hand up and down real quick so I know who I'm praying for. Up and down. I see you. Who else? Yep, who else? Yep, I see you. Who else? Up and down. I see you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody else want to get in on this? Hallelujah. And so now we're going to, wow, we're going to pray a prayer right now. Telling Jesus that we need to be rescued and asking him to come rescue. You can look at me. Just repeat this prayer for me. Say, Father, I did things that were wrong. I knew they were wrong. And I did them anyways. Today I'm ready to be rescued by Jesus. Lord Jesus, I declare that you are my Savior. And I give you my life today. I trust you with my life today. Begin working in my heart. I believe that you were born from a virgin. And that you never sinned. And you were murdered on a cross for me. And that you were buried in a grave. Me. and you rose from the dead for me and you ascended into heaven for me and you're praying right now for me and one day you're coming back for me i receive your life today i declare that i am your your child and you are my god fill me with power with your Holy Spirit and give me boldness to share this good news. And I'll tell the world in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, give a clap for the Lord if you would. Listen, I believe there's some people who need to come forward. And, and if you raise your hand and you prayed that, I want you to pray with these people. Just come up and just let them know, I prayed that prayer. I'm ready to be rescued. Don't anybody go anywhere yet. You're going to come on up here. And, and if you need to start this journey of heart healing today, I want to welcome you to come. As soon as I close the service, you can come on forward and just receive prayer from any of these people. Father, bless these today. Bless them as they walk this out with joy. In honor and adoration of you. Until we see again. Until we meet again. In Jesus name. Everybody say. Amen. Amen. Give a clap out for the Lord if you would. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Have a wonderful week.